If you have your Bibles, if you would open them, please, to or uh, turn in your device to Jeremiah chapter 33. It's wonderful to have Dave Perry with us today instead of in eternity. Very, very merciful. Uh, kind of interesting, both uh, uh, Dave and a fellow in the, uh, one of our longtime members in Panna Road Congregation, Rudy Lafambois, both had heart attacks within a week or two of each other and both had to get a stent. So we're very grateful that the Lord is protecting and delivering from evil. Their time's not up. So thank you, Jesus. I have a handout this morning, so uh, the ushers are just going to hand that out. My title is, When You Call. When You Call. Several years ago, Mary and I were given a romantic overnight to Hecla Island. Hecla Island is a beautiful resort, three hours north of Winnipeg, right on Lake Winnipeg. It was November. It was cold. There was snow on the ground. And Mary and I uh, went raced up there for our romantic overnight, which turned out to be a romantic nightmare. (laughs) We got there in the late uh, mid-afternoon. We went straight for lunch. And then after lunch, we decided to go for a walk in the woods. And we got to the end of our destination, and I had a bright idea. I said, hey, dear, let's go back another way. She said, I don't think that's a good idea. So we had a discussion about it, and I ended up persuading her against her better judgment that we should go back another way. Well, the light was fading, and we walked and walked and walked, and we realized we didn't know where we were, and I panicked. In my desperation and panic, I had another bright idea. I said, why don't we separate? You go in that direction for five minutes, and I'll go in this direction for five minutes. And I thought if I could just find Lake Winnipeg, I would get my bearings. The light was really dwindling, but I thought I'm going to put a stick in the ground so we know where to rendezvous. And then I took off in one direction, Mary took off in the other. And I got to this bluff, expecting when I came over the bluff to see Lake Winnipeg, and it was just more forest. And I panicked. I thought, Lord, I don't have a clue where we are. In November, cold, snow on the ground, and the light is fading. I turned back to look at the rendezvous, and it was so dark I couldn't see where the stick was. And I panicked twice. I thought, oh, no, now I've lost my wife. So I began to call, Mary! Mary, the wind is blowing through the trees. Mary, I called and called and called. No answer. The fact was, Mary could hear me, but she was so ticked off, she wasn't going to answer me. She just knew he's out there, he's alive. Well, eventually, uh, we found each other, and by the mercy of Jesus, who answers prayer, we were saved well into the night. But I'll never forget that horrible feeling of calling, 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 and no answer. And maybe... 
That's how you feel when you pray. You call out to the Lord. We've sung about it. We've talked about it. You call out to the Lord and you just feel like there's no answer. You know, it's one thing to hear God. But a more foundational piece is, does God hear me? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The truth is, there's always an answer. God always hears our cry. He may not answer the way we want. He may not answer in the time we want. But he always hears our cry. And my goal this morning is to get you, inspire you, encourage you, motivate you into a habit. A habit moment by moment by moment of calling on the name of the Lord. And I guarantee if you develop that habit, your whole life will change. Jeremiah 33, the context for this passage is the 6th century B.C. It's between 587 or 597 and 587 B.C. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has invaded Judah and he's put Jerusalem under siege. And it was really the judgment of God because King Zedekiah had not only rebelled against the king of Babylon, but the the, the Israelites had rebelled against God. They had given themselves to idolatry and all kinds of sin. And God was patient for hundreds of years. And finally, he had enough and said, no, you're going into exile. And in Jeremiah 32, in the midst of pronouncing that exile, God gives tremendous hope to his people. And he says, yeah, even though you're going into exile, this is my heart for you. I want to bless you. And then in Jeremiah 33, verse 1, the scripture says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. While he was still shut up in the court of the guard, King Zedekiah had put Jeremiah in prison because The prophet had been saying, surrender to the Babylonians. This is God. God will have mercy on you. And they silenced him by putting him in prison. And the word of God comes to Jeremiah the second time. Verse 2 says, thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things you don't know. That, that word great and mighty is inaccessible, incredible things. Things that are beyond your understanding. Call to me and I will answer you. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning that your word is alive. It's living and powerful. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And we ask and welcome you to deposit in us today that grace of calling. I ask Jesus that you will awaken it where it has died or gone to sleep or dwindled. I I ask that you will ignite it where it's never been before. And we pray, Lord, that 
that we would be a people who moment by moment by moment are calling on your glorious name. We ask this, that your kingdom might be advanced and we might savor your goodness. Amen. Calling on the name of the Lord is so powerful. Mary and I, a few years ago, were uh, visited a church in Saskatchewan and we went on a Friday. We were returning on a Sunday. We were ministering there and Saturday night it snowed. And so Sunday afternoon after the service, we were about to drive back and the pastor of the church said, be very, very careful as you drive along this stretch of highway between Milestone and Regina. It's treacherous when it snows. So we started out, and sure enough, it was treacherous. This stretch of highway, the traffic was just crawling along at 40 kilometers an hour. And suddenly, for no reason, our car began to drift across the center line right into oncoming traffic. And there was, a, there was traffic coming right at us, and I was totally helpless. I couldn't steer. I couldn't brake. I was out of control. And I thought, great We are going to have a head-on collision and we're going to die in Saskatchewan in the middle of nowhere. And while I'm having those horrible thoughts, Mary began calling on the name of Jesus. She just said, Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus. And suddenly, our car began to drift back across the line into our right lane just as oncoming traffic slid by us. We were so traumatized. We pulled over to the side of the road, put it in park, and we just sat there thanking Jesus. And I'm absolutely convinced when she called on the name of Jesus, angels were released and pushed that car back over the line against the wind. Calling on the name of the Lord is incredibly powerful. And Jeremiah tells us here, the first thing in verse 3 he says is that God has an unlimited invitation for us to call. Call to me, he says. Notice it's God's idea to pray. It's not our idea. Prayer is something that came down from heaven. It's not something that originated on earth. Prayer is not us invoking God's help, but it's God inviting us into his help. And it's an exhaustive invitation. It includes everything and anything. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too large. Call to me and I will answer you. And it's both personal and corporate. Do you need groceries or a new vehicle or just a friend? Call to me and I will answer you. Do you need healing for your body or your soul or wisdom for a difficult child or, or love for a stale marriage? Call to me and I will answer you. Do you need help with your homework or with an exam or finding a parking space or a lost toy or a lost ring? Call to me. Our eldest daughter, Rebecca, when she was a little girl, lost her precious little dolly. We searched the house. We couldn't find it anywhere. And then Mary called on the name of the Lord. She said, Jesus, 
Where would you show us where that doll is? And instantly, she had a picture of our kitchen garbage can under the cupboard. So she and Rebecca raced to the garbage can, opened it, pulled out the garbage, and there at the bottom of the garbage can was Rebecca's little dolly. This past summer, my mother, uh, we celebrated my mother's 91st uh, birthday at our family reunion in Kelowna. And somewhere over the weekend, my mom lost her precious diamond ring. We searched the bedroom, the registers, the, 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 the bedding, the garbage cans. We searched all the couches where she saw. We couldn't find it anywhere. So she went back to Vancouver and Bethany, our our youngest daughter, went with her to stay overnight with her. And when they got to my mom's apartment, Bethany said, Grandma, I lost my phone a few months ago in my room. I couldn't find it anywhere. So my dad and I prayed. And when I came back from the bathroom in the dark and I went to get out of my bed, my hand went right onto my phone. So I'd like to pray for your diamond ring, that we would find your diamond ring. And so they prayed. Uh, that Jesus would help them find that diamond ring. Bethany left the next morning. The following morning, as my mom was waking up, she had a thought. The ring was in her pants pocket. She raced to the closet. She reached into the pocket of the pants she'd worn on the reunion weekend, and there was her diamond ring. And I know it was the Holy Spirit who revealed to her where that was, call to me and I will answer you. March 22nd, 2018, we had a prayer summit. And on that prayer summit, we prayed about the weather. Do you pray about the weather? We can affect the weather. The Bible tells us that Elijah was just like us. He prayed there would be no rain and there was no rain. And then he prayed there would be rain and there is rain. In Jesus, we can affect the weather. And we had had very little snow last winter. And the farmers were concerned because if there wasn't more moisture in the ground, there was going to be a drought. So on March the 22nd, Thursday evening, at our prayer summit, we prayed that God would send at least six inches of snow and not on a Saturday night. Now, that was very important because usually the snowstorms always come on a Saturday night and the ones that are most affected is Sunday morning Christians and half the people don't show up. So we said, no, Lord, not on a Saturday night. Three days later, on Sunday night, the 25th, it started to snow. It snowed into Monday, eight and a half inches, 22 centimeters. Call, call, call to me, and I will answer you. Who is this God we call to? Who who is the God that, that gives us this unlimited invitation to call? Well, the Bible tells us, first of all, in verse 2, Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. The first thing about this God is he's the creator God. 
He formed and established the earth. This word Lord, if you have a King James Bible and you're reading in your King James, you'll see that word Lord is all capitalized. And whenever it's capitalized, it means the proper sacred name of God. And that name is very powerful. The first time we hear that name is in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses encounters the burning bush. And God's in the burning bush and he's telling Moses his plans for his people and saying, I'm going to deliver my people and you're going to be the leader. And Moses starts arguing with him why he can't be the leader. And one of his arguments is, Lord, I don't know who you are. They don't know who you are. What should I tell them? Who should I tell them is sending me? And God says this, tell them Yahweh is sending you. Jehovah. Tell them I am is sending you. I am means he is self-existent. He always was, always is, always will be. He's all sufficient. He is I am who you need me to be whenever you need me to be it. This is the God who creates from nothing, who speaks galaxies into being billions of galaxies with trillions of stars. And Psalm 147 says, he counts every one of them and calls each one by a name. This is the God who creates storms and calms storms. The God who causes time to go backwards and forwards and stand still for a whole day. This is the God who can bring water out of a rock and wine out of water. Who can put fish into a net and bring gold out of a fish's mouth. This is the God who causes the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the dumb to rise, the lepers to be cleansed, the dead to come back to life, and the God who takes sinners and makes them saints. This is the creator God. Call to me. And and then Jeremiah goes on and says, not only is he the creator God, he's the impossible God. In chapter 32 and verse 17, Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. In verse 27, God then says of himself, Behold, I am the Lord, I'm Yahweh, I am the great I am, the God, Elohim, the supreme, almighty, all-powerful God, is anything too hard for me. This is the impossible God, the God who can do the impossible. Lydia, our third daughter, was living with a bunch of Christian girls near the Pan Am pool. And about two years ago, a thief broke into their house while they were out and stole all Lydia's jewelry. Now, most of it was junk jewelry, but she had two items which were very precious to her. One was a gold chain that Mary and I bought her for a graduation. And the other was gold earrings that her Oma had given her from Holland. 
And so if you know anything about Lydia, Lydia is a neat freak. Lydia is clean. She's obsessive about everything being in its right place. So she searched the place for that jewelry and it was not to be found anywhere. Ten months later, eight months later, she comes into her room one day and there's her gold chain lying on the floor. And then eight months after that, 18 months from the thief being there and stealing it, she'd washed her bedding at least 50 times. She'd swept, vacuum, mopped her floor countless times. She went to get into bed one night, which she does the same way every night and puts her pillows in exactly the same place. And as she steps down on the floor, she feels a pin in her, in her slipper. And she lifts up her slipper and there's a gold earring. And she bursts into tears. God, how can this be? And she said, Lord, the other one can't be there. And she bends down and looks under the bed and there right in the middle of the floor is the second earring. 18 months later, when she told us, I said, Lydia, how did God do that? Did he steal them back from the thief? Did he create new ones? Did he use angels? I don't know how he did it, but it was absolutely impossible. And there they were. Because nothing is too hard for God. And the reason God did it was because Lydia was so upset her sister was moving to England to plant this church with the brother-in-law. And when she held those earrings in her hand, And thought, this is impossible. God spoke to her and said, I'm the God who can restore whatever you've lost. You will never lack. And not only is he the creator God and the impossible God, but chapter 32 and verse 40 and 41 tell us that this is the good God, the God, the covenant-keeping God who's committed to doing us good. If you don't believe God is committed to doing you good, you will not pray. You will not ask God. You'll be afraid of God. You'll try and hide from God. But if you are absolutely convinced that he is a God of goodness and that he has a covenant keeping commitment with every single one of us in Christ to do us good, then prayer will become a way of life for you. In uh, chapter 32, verse 40 and 41, God says this through the prophet, I will make with my people an everlasting covenant. That means it's not just for Israel and Jeremiah, it's for us, it's everlasting. That I will not turn away from doing them good. But he doesn't end there. He goes on and says, no, I'm not just going to not turn away from doing them good. I rejoice in doing them good. I delight in doing them good. And he doesn't end there. He adds a third exclamation mark to it. He said, I rejoice in doing them good with all my heart and all my soul. God wants to answer you. God's waiting to answer you. What do you do if you're God? You have everything, you are everything, you know everything. You're just waiting to pour out that everything on people who ask. Yeah. 
call to me and I will answer you. Well, God's promise is to answer. When you call, I will answer. And God tells us this in the New Testament in Romans chapter 10 and verse 12. He says, the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. You might think, yeah, well, if Norm calls on him, that I can understand God answering. If Dave Perry calls on him, I mean, he's, he's, he's got his master's degree. In the thing. If he calls on him, I, I can understand that. But me, God says, yeah, all who call on me. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 7 and Luke 11. He said, ask, call, and it will be given to you. Knock, seek, and you will find. For everyone who asks receives. And those who seek find. There's just no limit to this. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what your stage is. Call to me and I will answer you. But you have to call. You have to call. If you don't call, all the bets are off. It doesn't work. You have to call. This word call means to cry out, to utter a loud sound. It's, it's the idea of accosting a person. Norm! That's what it means to call. Hebrews 5, 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears, and he was heard by God. And in Acts 4, it says, When the church lifted their voices together like we did last Wednesday night at our prayer summit. And it was so wonderful to see so many people from the south. Profound. God answers when we cry. Do you know the earliest reference to calling in the Bible? Take a guess. Genesis. That's a good guess. Genesis. And the resident theologian has got the right answer. Genesis 4. Verse 26, right at the beginning. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are in this wonderful fellowship and communion with God. And then they decide they want to be independent from God. And sin enters. They're separated from God, separated from one another, even separated from themselves. Their son Cain rises up and kills his brother Abel. They have another son, Seth. Seth has a son, Enosh. And then it says this, And then people began to call on the name of the Lord. When I read that, I thought, That is very strange. Why? Why would people suddenly begin to call on the name of the Lord? And here's why I think the answer is. God made every human being in our DNA is this need to commune with him. This need to be in fellowship with him and to depend on him. And in our separation, 
we begin to call out to him. God has, has, has made this capacity. He's created this, this wisdom of calling out to him because when we call, we're communing with him. When we call, we're depending on him. When we call, we're saying, oh, Jesus, I need you every hour. I need you. But we have to call. And the second condition for God to answer is we have to call in accordance with his will. 1 John 5 verse 14 says, And this is the confidence that we had towards him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we've had the requests we've asked for. Jesus said in John 14, If you ask me anything, In my name, I'll do it. And when he says in my name, it means in his will, under his authority. Call, and then call in accordance with God's will. And God answers. So why don't we call out more? Well, I think it's because we forget. I, I think we need reminding that calling out is actually a command. Psalm 105 says, go give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. And Philippians 4 verse 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. How many of you are anxious? How many of you get anxious? How many of you have been anxious in this last week? If you're sitting there smugly on your hands, I want to tell you something. You get anxious. You're just out of touch with what that really looks like. Everybody gets anxious. It's a human condition. But Philippians says, don't be anxious about anything. How's that possible? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Call on the Lord. We have two choices in life. We can be anxious or we can pray. And when we pray and roll things onto him, he takes care of our anxiety. Secondly, why don't we call out more? I think it's because we forget it's our first priority. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 2, First of all then, I urge you to make prayers on behalf of all people. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Pray without ceasing. Prayer is our first priority because Jesus has only ever wanted the church to be first a house of prayer. Twice Jesus cleansed the temple. John 2 tells us it was at the beginning of his ministry. And then Matthew 21 and Mark and Luke tell us he did it again at the end of his ministry. And every time he cleansed the temple, he said this, My house shall be called a house of a house of calling on the Lord. Sometimes we get too busy. If you're like me, I just get too busy and, and, and I forget to call. Mary did a big market in November, third and bird market in the, in the basement of the bay, uh, selling hummus. And at the end of the first night, we drag all our coolers up and 
put them on the sidewalk on Memorial Drive outside the bay, and Mary had parked the car in the Bay Parkade just a few steps down. So she said, I'll go get the car. So I'm sitting on the coolers waiting for her. Ten minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by, half an hour goes by. And finally she phoned. She said, Ron, it's crazy in here. Everybody who was at the Third and Bird Market is parked in this Bay Parkade. And the lady who's taking all the money has to do everything by hand manually. She's has to get out of her booth and lift up the barrier and put it back down. She said, nobody's moving. It's just crawling along and I'm not even out of my parking space. Everybody won't just keep driving by, inching by, and they won't let me in. We're going to be here for at least another hour. I thought, oh, great. So I sit down on the thing and I'm grumbling about being here another hour. And then I remember, call, call. I can grumble or call. I think I'll call. So I said, Lord, would you move on some person? Would you just put your favor on them? And they would, they would let Mary in. They would just kindly let her in. And then I looked at my watch because I wanted to see how long it would take the Lord to answer that prayer. It was 9.21. Within 30 seconds, Mary called back and said, Ron, some guy just let me in. Isn't that a coincidence? But you know, the more we call, the more coincidences happen. Call to me and I will answer you. Sometimes we forget that calling out restores God's presence in our lives. He is the best answer. When we call out to him and he answers us, he also gives us himself. We, we, we commune with him. We touch his presence. There's nothing more powerful than his presence because everything, all everything we need is wrapped up in his presence. And lastly, sometimes we forget that prayer is the one channel for all of God's blessings. God has set a table, a banqueting table, before us every single day. And prayer is pulling up to that table and tasting and seeing that he is good. I want to end by showing you a video this morning, powerful video about calling on the name of the Lord. And then I know we're just we're going to go over a bit. We're going to go over time a bit. But if you have to go, please feel free to go. But I want to give an invitation after this, this video. I want to invite you. If you're an intercessor, if you have a burden to pray, I want to invite you to come forward because I want to lay hands on you. Andrea and I are going to pray for you and Mary and Norm. I want to lay hands on you and pray that this year you will have a profound impartation of being able to pray greater and more powerfully. If you just, if you don't have a burden to pray, but you have a desire to want to learn how to pray, we want to pray for you as well. And then I want to challenge you to this. In your journal for 2019, I want to encourage you to put a section of answered prayers. And every day, I want you to ask the Lord what prayers he answered for you that day. And I want you to record them. I think you'll be astounded. 
I started to do this and I thought, dear God, you are answering prayers I forget about, I'm not aware of. This is amazing. And then we have these little cards you'll get next week about a testimony of answered prayer. I want to encourage you. Some of you have already filled those out. I want to encourage you to fill those out. And we can testify about how God's answering prayer for you. And then fourthly, Wednesdays, 24 hours, we all have an opportunity to go to the prayer furnace at Callsback and to pray and to call on his name. Let's watch this video. As I was talking to you about eight or nine years ago, my daughter who is here today, she got away from us. She got away from not only us, she got away from God. She got away from our house. And my wife and I went through a two and a half year long nightmare that I don't want to go into. But I promised God as I was getting at the end of it, that it, as he brought me through it, that wherever I got a chance, I promised God, no matter how hard it would be, as he's my witness today, no matter how hard it would be, I would tell people what God does in answer to prayer. You know what the feeling is not to know where your daughter is? When that, she grew up as a model child. I have two other children. Chrissy's now 25. I have a daughter 21 and a boy 18. But at that time, Chrissy was about 17, 18. And it, it was... I'm talking nightmare. I'm talking about getting in my car and leaving my house to go to the church in the inner city where, where I'm going to face, you know, 10 new people who visit who are HIV positive and a battered woman and no need family units and everything discombobulated. And I don't want to be the focus. I'm supposed to be there, Carol and I, to minister to them. But I'm crying from the minute I leave my door to the church and saying, God, my heart is broken. My nerves are shot. I've screamed, begged, pleaded, tried to use money, reasoned, cried. And she's getting worse. She's not getting better. And how am I going to minister? And we're starting other churches and renting Radio City Music Hall and starting new churches in, in the city and, and going to South America and Carol's writing songs and making albums. But nobody knows, or very few people know, that we're, we're hanging by a thread, my friend, by a thread. And all the times I drove and cried out to God coming in and saying, God, please just get me through these three meetings. We have 11, 3.30 and 7.30 services, each about two hours long or more. And I'm just saying, God, please just get me through another Sunday. And God would just lift me and I would have the grace to get through and minister to people, even though inside I was so, so sh just shaking. And I learned that when you pray, God comes. I learned that when you have no logical way to stand, God somehow, when you pray, gives you fresh feet and a fresh foundation. We have a prayer band in our church. It's a more important ministry than the 240-voice Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. There's a prayer band that not only prays through each service, about 20 of them pray through each service on Sunday while I'm preaching and ministering there in a room locked away praying, but now they pray for certain several years now, from 2 in the afternoon till 6 in the morning, there's, in the church, there's people praying every seven days a week, two in the afternoon till six in the morning. Then if you have some need, you can just mail it to our church. Someone will pray for it at three in the morning. It's an amazing thing how God honors that. 
Well, they began to pray for me. And as God is my witness, I would sense myself at night sometimes or shaving in the morning. I would feel God's grace just come underneath me and, 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 and begin to steady me and hold my emotions. And I hadn't even been thinking about God. And I would say, Lord, what is this that's just come into my life? Somebody's praying for you. Somebody's praying for you. These people would be praying for me. God bless them. Then my wife got ill, had to have a hysterectomy, and the hormonal imbalance that she ended up with. My daughter's out of the house, the other two children, I'm doing the best I can. And now my wife is not talking just about leaving New York, which she wanted to, because the enemy had told her, fine, start your churches and influence people for Christ, but I'm going to have all your children. I've got one, and I'm coming for the other two. And my wife believed it and told me, you can leave with me or you can stay, but I'm leaving. Because he already has Chrissy, and I'm not losing my other two kids enough with this. We can't do this. It, the, the atmosphere in the city, New York is a miserable place to be. I'm not there because I like it. I'm there because God put me there. And, and, and then after the operation, she's talking about she doesn't feel any reason to live any longer. And, and I mean, what do you do? Your wife is flipping out. Your daughters, you're preaching, you're doing all of these things. I'm just telling you, oh, how wonderful it is to know that at the throne of grace, no matter what's happening, God can lift you and hold you. What a wonderful God. One November, after about two years had passed, Chrissy was awake. God and I got totally alone in Florida. And God spoke to me and said, I know you've been praying for Chrissy. The impressions I got were basically this. I don't want to sound mystical or sensational. I'm just going to tell you from my heart. No more talking to Chrissy and no more talking to anyone else and no more money and no more screaming and no more crying. Drop it. Just tell me. Let's make a covenant. You just tell me and I'll take care of it. And I told my wife, I'm not going to see my daughter until she's right. And that's my first child. My wife kept in touch with her. Months went by. Christmas. Sad Christmas. Who wants presents when your daughter's away? On a February night in the prayer meeting, my house shall be called the house of prayer. We were all praying and calling on God and waiting on God. You know, nobody in charge, no choir, no speaker. Who needs it? You have Jesus. It's amazing how wonderful he is. And someone sent a note up to me, a woman, a young lady who hears, hears, who's sensitive to the Lord. And she sent a note up through an usher and the note said, I feel deeply impressed that we should stop the prayer meeting and pray for your daughter. I looked at the note as I was talking with her. Months went by. Christmas. Sad Christmas. Who wants presents when your daughter's away? On a February night in the prayer meeting, my house shall be called the house of prayer. We were all praying and calling on God and waiting on God. You know, nobody in charge, no choir, no speaker. Who needs it? You have Jesus. It's amazing how wonderful he is. 
And someone sent a note up to me, a woman, a young lady who hears, hears, who's sensitive to the Lord. And she sent a note up through an usher and the note said, I feel deeply impressed that we should stop the prayer meeting and pray for your daughter. I looked at the note. People were praying all around me. I looked at the note and said, God, is this really you? I don't want to be the center of attraction. People have their own needs, but I felt impressed it was. I stopped the prayer meeting after a little while and everybody gathered together in that room, in that church and held hands uh, over a thousand people probably that night and, and I called one of my associate pastors in the front and he began to pray and all I can tell you and I don't know what your theology is and it really doesn't matter I'm just going to tell you what happened you know where Paul said, Paul said I travail like a mother giving birth to Christ be formed on you well I told the people my daughter thinks up is down and down is up and she thinks light is dark and dark is light and unless God visits her and intervenes my daughter is out there and, and, and I'm gonna, someone wants me to stop the meeting so you could pray. My associate's gonna come, he's gonna pray. And suddenly, it turned into a labor room. You ever hear women when they're giving labor? Having labor? It's not pleasant, but it has some great results. And they began to pray. I was overwhelmed by it. I was, as God is my witness, I was overwhelmed by it. I mean, they began to pray as if they went to the throne of grace like, and now, Satan, you will give up that girl. Jay, if you would just come, let's sing past me, not a gentle Savior. And they prayed. I came home. My wife wasn't there that night. And over a cup of coffee at night, I told her, Carol, it's over. She said, what's over? I said, it's over. If there's a God in heaven, I, what I just experienced tonight, it is over, finito, it's over. Just about a day later, I was shaving. And my wife burst into the bathroom and said, Chrissy's here. I said, Chrissy, I hadn't seen her in four months. Chrissy, and you better go down. I went down the steps and in the wiping off the shave cream and in the, in, on the kitchen floor was my daughter on her knees. And then when I walked in the kitchen, she grabbed at my pants leg. She pulled it. She was weeping and she said, Daddy, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against you and Mommy. Daddy, forgive me for being rebellious, etc. Daddy, Daddy, it's different, but Daddy, who is praying for me? Who is praying Tuesday night for me? Why, Chrissy, what happened? And she drew up to me. She said, in the middle of the night, God woke me up. And he showed me that I was heading toward a chasm and it had no, it had no bottom. But Daddy, even as he showed me that and showed me how off I was, he put his arms around me and he showed me that he loved me and he had a plan for my life. And Daddy, I, I made it right with God. And I could tell by her face she was my daughter again, the one I had raised. Very soon God opened the door and for the next four years she directed the music program at a Bible school. She married a man of God. They're both in the ministry today. And God reminded me once again, my house shall be called a house of prayer because when you call, I will answer. As I was talking to you, that eight Amen. or nine Let's years stand. ago. <clears throat> call to me and I will answer. I want to encourage you. 
in your journals, set aside some pages, just answers to prayer and begin to record them day by day. Engage in prayer this month. Come to the prayer furnace on on Wednesdays. Give yourself. This is is an incredible opportunity for 2019 to grow in our capacities to see God answer.